0: Good morning again. Everybody still good? Good. There were three people that were. That's OK. That's better than zero, where two or three are gathered, right? So there was a tough old cowboy from Texas. We'll just call him Mike, for argument's sake. And uh, he had a, a lovely little granddaughter who, who, she was in that stage where everything is a question, and there's so much curiosity. I know. Beatrice is there now where it's, why, why, why? And they want to know everything, which is awesome. Um, and so the granddaughter came up to the cowboy, uh, and she said, Grandpa, what is the secret to, to living to be so old like you are? Which, you know, he kind of chuckled, because it's a kid question. And, and he thought for a second, and he looked at her, and he said, well, first you pray every day, and you read your Bible and then you take a pinch of gunpowder and put it in your oatmeal every morning. And you know, her eyes got wide and he's like, no, I promise, this is the secret, it's, it's gonna work. And so the granddaughter took that to heart and she did it religiously every day. She did all of those things, including the, the gunpowder. And she lived until the age of 103, which was awesome and amazing. And she left behind uh, 14 children 30 grandchildren, 25, oh, 45 great-grandchildren, 25 great-great-grandchildren, and a 40-foot hole where the crematorium used to be. (laughs) I like that some of you are trying to figure out where in the world that was going. (laughs) We are continuing the Alive series in which we've been talking and continue to talk about Jesus in the days between the crucifixion and his ascension, between the resurrection and his ascension, when he walked again uh, among his followers, when he went from person to person. And every time I talk about it, I think about something Ann said in one of her last messages here, where she said, if it had been me, I would have gone, as soon as I was resurrected, I would have gone straight to Pilate and straight to the Pharisees and straight to all the people that said this will never happen. But Jesus did the opposite. Jesus went to his followers, and he went to the people that needed to see him. He went to show how to become the church, how to become his followers, how to be more like him. He showed that there is hope. He showed that there is more to come, and that he was more than, than we could ever imagine, that he loved us more than we could ever imagine. So much so that he, he sacrificed everything for us and then came back to show the way again, to spend more time among us. I want to go to Acts uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 15. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've heard this message before, the Great Commission, and so for us, it's like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. For them, though, this was a shocking revelation in some ways. Because until that moment, the message was for the people in that area. And the world was a little small there. And Jesus said, this is for everybody. You get to go and be disciples to everyone. You get to go and show me to everyone to build a worldwide church. And so for them, like graduation for us can be, it was a very bittersweet moment. Because they'd seen more than than we can imagine. They'd seen him. They'd seen his glory, his miracles, his life. And so they got to see him one more time in his physical body. But they also knew there was going to be a big change because he'd prepared them. And so they had a lot of hope going on there and excitement for something new mixed with a little bit of sadness. And probably wonder, like, how are we going to do this without him? How are we going to do this now that we're on our own? And he knew they'd never be on their own and they knew the, the prophecies, they knew all about the covenant, they knew that one day the kingdom would be restored, that the covenant would be fulfilled. They knew this moment was special, but they wanted just a little bit more out of it. Because we all kind of do that from time to time. We have all of this, we want all of this, and then we want just a little bit more. We want to know a little bit more. Uh, last night, so I have a niece, in case you didn't know. And last night, I watched her, and uh, she told me we were going to Olive Garden. So we did. And uh, when we were there, she, hers is, her meal is fairly simple there. It's the cheese that you dip stuff in with breadsticks and croutons and grapes. She doesn't dip the grapes. But she ate all that, and, and she drank her lemonade, and she was very happy, and it was exciting. And it's actually cheaper than Chick-fil-A for the two of us there because of what she eats. Uh, And so afterwards, she reminded me, she's like, they didn't bring the chocolates. And so she wanted just a little bit more. She got the chocolates, but she wanted just a little bit more. And that's what the disciples here, they're like, hey, we love you so much. Thank you so much. Let's know a little bit more. From the moment that Jesus first said, I will come again, all of his followers, from the disciples, to Paul, to Timothy, to C.S. Lewis, to Billy Graham, to us, Have heard that news with the reaction of that is so awesome Lord thank you so much for for promising us to return again when's that going to be because we all want to know when we all want to know that moment now we also know that that if everyone in the world knew the date that Jesus would return there would be a lot of salvations the 10 minutes or so beforehand which is a very dangerous prospect because when you put it off You never know what'll happen. And so Jesus knew what humanity was like and and He's like, you're not gonna know that. But there's also one for us. There's also a reason that we don't know. Imagine for the disciples who had been through so much in those days, who had ran and hid, who, who had stood up and fought, who had done everything in between, who had seen their best friend, their Savior, their Lord die and come again. And now they know they're about to be the church. They're about to lead. So imagine if they knew he's not coming back in their lifetime. Would there be a little bit of discouragement? Would their passion have been the same? Now, I'm not saying they would have quit because they wouldn't have. But, but if they know that it's a long way off, would the urgency, would the moment of importance be the same to them? What about the people that came after them, the, the people between then and now? If they knew it's not going to be in their lifetime, would the urgency, the discipleship, the the growth be the same? Or would it be like, we're going to do our best, but just not all the time? What about for us? If we knew that he wouldn't come back until after us, would our passion be the same? Would our conviction be the same? Would our growth be the same? Would everything that we do as disciples be the same? Or would we feel a little bit of discouragement, a little bit of complacency? What's so amazing about him, among all the things, is God had this perfect plan. He knew exactly what humanity would do, would think, and he said, I'm going to lead you perfectly And so he let us know what we need to know and he didn't let us know what we don't need to know and he continues to be with us. And what's so cool, what's powerful about what Jesus says here is he says you will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. That wasn't said as a command. It was said as matter of fact, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses because of course it is. Because if you are saved, if you are filled with him, if you are filled with his love, if you are filled with the spirit, you can't help but to show it. You can't help but to be a disciple. You can't help but to grow, to show who he is. And so he knew that we don't need that command. We just need the promise of him to come. We need the promise of what we will have, that he will be with us. I have a quote about discipleship. I assume that it's behind me. Jason could put baby pictures of me for all I know. I'd know by the laughter. And since there was none, it worked out that there's not up there. Um, Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not an effort of once a week or once a day, it is an effort of once and for all. Sometimes when we talk about witnessing, when we talk about discipleship, we talk about it in terms of when I get this chance. When I have this moment, when I prepare, when I'm ready, when I'm there, we are disciples all the time. It's not about just the testimony, it's not about just the scripture, it's about us living out that life, it's about us doing that every day. And it's not just on Sundays, it's not just when we volunteer, it's not just on Tuesdays, it's not just after work, it's all of the time. It's our life, it's who we are. It's easy to look at it as a job sometimes, as something we're going to do. But the reason he said it not as a command, but as a promise, is because it's just who we are. It's who we become. If we allow him to change us, if we allow him to to, to be like him. And we all still wonder, when's he going to return? When is this going to happen? When he returns is not nearly as important as the fact that he will return. That's the important part, the fact that it will happen, the fact that he has a promise and he fulfills it. And we get to share in that same calling, that same power that the disciples had. We get to live that life. We get to show him every day, of our lives, show who He is. We get to show Him in our weaknesses. We get to show Him in our strengths. We get to show Him when we mess up and we apologize, when we grow, when we learn. We get to show Him as a disciple. We recently had uh, the Taste of Faith Fair with like the volunteer opportunities and all those things. And to be honest, nobody ever signs up for youth. I'm going to assume it's not because of me, although it could be. The reaction hurt there. but. It also, it's probably because teens are kind of scary. Because you think about it, what if they ask me questions? What if they expect me to know an answer? What if they have something and I don't know how to answer it? I'm going to tell you a secret. I didn't tell Andy I'm going to share this. But for me, for Andy, for all of the staff, for everyone that works in the church, none of us have all the answers. No one in this life has all the answers. Only God does. But when we are filled with him, we can show that. And we can share what we do know. We can share how he's changed our life. We can share what he's done for us and what we've seen him do. We can share him with everyone. That's being a disciple. It's not about having all the answers, because you're never going to get to that point. It's not about being completely ready, because you're never going to be completely ready. It's about giving yourself over to Him completely, like the disciples did. To the ends of the earth, that's a lot of space. To everyone, all of the time, everywhere, and again, not to be perfect. Not to know everything, but to be like him, to continue to grow, to be better every day than you were the day before, to make it your life. Going to the next part here. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. So he disappeared into a cloud, which was him kind of saying, hey, this is all tied together. This is all God's plan. Because if you remember back from the Old Testament, and if you don't, I encourage you, I challenge you to read all of the Old Testament through to this point in the New Testament by next week, okay? And then I'll ask questions about it. But when the, the Israelites were in the desert and various other times when God would appear, it would be a cloud called the Shechnia, Shek Shekinah. which I'm sure you guys all knew. The Shekinah. And so Jesus is saying, this is all a plan, guys. This is a perfect plan, and it is all for you, and it's to show you what we can do. Now, he had all the authority and all the power in the world. So he could have just disappeared. He could have just said, hey, I'm going to heaven now. Boom, he's there. Because he could do anything. But he also knew that we needed, that they needed to see it in this way. To recognize that he was going to prepare a place for us. To recognize that we would one day join him. To recognize that he would come back in that same way. And over the course of the days between the resurrection and the ascension, he had appeared and disappeared several times. So he wanted them also to know that this was it. He wasn't leaving them alone. He never leaves us alone. They would have the spirit. They would have his love. They would have a direct pipeline to him. But it was now on them to be like him, to be his examples, to be out there. And imagine being them, those disciples. Think about all the things that they'd gone through. They'd seen him die, they'd seen him rise, they'd they'd ran for their lives, they'd done all of these different things. And so they're watching, they're watching him go. And they just kind of get caught up in it. It's kind of like if you're a fan of college basketball, there's a last second shot and you just kind of watch it afterwards. Let's just, for example' sake of argument, 1987 IU Hoosiers. When Keith Smart hit the shot to win the championship, was that 81? I'm old. When he hit the shot, it was 87. I was joking. When he hit the shot to win the championship, you just kind of watch it. You keep watching it because it's so amazing. This is a million times more amazing than that. And so they just keep watching. They're like, we just want to take this all in. We see Jesus, and he's going. It's so awesome. And then all of a sudden. These two beings are there. And wearing white robes, so they could be choir members. They could be angels. I like to think that they could be Moses and Elijah, like the Transfiguration. Or, and they might also, I'm not going to get into Revelation too much, but the, uh, Moses and Elijah, or whoever the two witnesses might be, maybe they get to witness all of these different important moments, but again, That's not the important part. The important part is they were there to remind the disciples, okay, guys, now it's time to start. Now it's time to start. It's not go home and prepare. It's not wait. It's not do all of these things. It's now you're the church. Right now, you're the church. And so they did it. They obeyed. And in the context of this story, in the context of this sermon, in the context of what we think about with this moment, it's like, of course they did. They're the disciples. Of course they did. They started the church. They were the church. They they did that. But think again about all the things that they had done. Peter had betrayed him by denying him, by fighting and cutting off a guy's ear. Thomas had doubted him. All of them, but John had run. That all messed up severely. And so at different times, they weren't quite as obedient as they could be. But now, they were the church. And they obeyed. They saw him. They, they, they looked at him. They knew we now get to go exemplify him to the world. We get to now go take everything we've learned, everything we've experienced, everything that we are, and show it to everyone. I have a quote from C.S. Lewis. I like to use him a lot, obviously. I also use Mr. Rogers and Billy Graham a lot. And These are three people who, over the course of my life, have meant a lot in different ways. One of the things that that makes me use them so much, and I shared this a little bit last week. Each of them were very different. And so if you take Mr. Rogers and you put him in Billy Graham's role, he could have done it because God's with him. But it would have been slightly different because Billy Graham was so gifted in the way he spoke. If you take Billy Graham and you put him in C.S. Lewis roles, he could write. But C.S. Lewis was so gifted in the way he brought questions to light. Take C.S. Lewis and you put him in Mr. Rogers' role. He probably could have done it. He would have trusted God and done his best, but that's the point of discipleship. We all have different gifts. We all have different callings. We all get to be a part of the whole, and we don't have to be like everybody else. And so what C.S. Lewis says here reminds us of that and of everything. Relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. That does not mean that every day you wake up, you have to renew your salvation. It means that every day you wake up, you have to again choose to follow Him completely, to obey Him, to give your life to Him. Because sometimes, when we've been a Christian a real long time, we feel like we know what's going on. I think about the illustration where, let's say that uh, Becky, One morning wakes up, and God says, I want you to have an apple this morning. So she has an apple. And the next day she wakes up, hey, I want you to have an apple this morning. So she has an apple. And the third day, I want you to have an apple this morning. She has an apple. Fourth day, she wakes up, and she has an apple. But he wanted her to have an orange because we get so used to how things are. We get so used to the way we are that we forget. We have to keep giving it to him, keep obeying him, keep listening to him. Every day we make that choice. Every day we learn to rely on Him. And on the flip side, sometimes we feel so defeated. We feel so lost, so hurt, so broken. That it's like, how can I possibly keep doing this? We also have to let that go. And again, wake up and say, I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. I'm going to be more like Him. Because every day, is a chance to grow every day is a new opportunity every day we can be better witness more be more like him be a better example if you're into sports uh, there are several athletes over the course of history who have played their way into shape one of the most famous ones is Shaquille O'Neal he was about seven two or so and 300 pounds and when he first came into the league it was all muscle Now, IU beat him in the NCAA tournament, so we'll leave it there, but in the NBA, it was all muscle. And so he forced everyone out of his way, and he just won. He won championships. He won MVPs. But he got kind of cocky with that, and he got a little big for his britches. And so he stopped working out every day and started going to Burger King every day. And then he came in and he'd be way overweight and kind of out of shape and you'd watch him kind of walk up the court. Now he was still big and still good so he could still do some, but over the course of the season he had to work his way into shape. Now, I'm sure everyone, whether you care about MBA or not, you know his name, so you know that he still had a good career. But he could have done so much more if he just continued with that mindset versus someone like Michael Jordan basketball was his life and so every day he worked out every day he stayed in the gym and he came in prepared and he won and he won and he won and we still talk about him like that now discipleship isn't quite the same because it's not about our greatness but when we continue every day to grow when we continue every day to build our relationship with him when we continue every day to be more like him we can show his greatness so much more We can show who he truly is and what he's done. We can choose daily to win for him. Last part of the scripture. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James. Andrew, Philip, Thomas. Bartholomew, Matthew. James, son of Alphaeus. Simon, the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. How would you like to still be named Judas after what happened with the other Judas? It's kind of a rough thing for him, I'm sure. This is their first meeting. After he had left, and it's right away. And so the twelve are there, the new twelve, Matthias instead of the old Judas. He's about to get chosen, but they're all there. And Mary is there, and Jesus' brothers are there, and, and I believe Mary Magdalene is there, and their wives are there, and everybody is there. And 120 people are there, and that is the first church. The leaders there are the first church. That is the first core team meeting. That's the first all staff meeting. That's the first board meeting. Whatever you want to call it. That is the first gathering of his believers while he is in heaven. And they are building the church. They are starting the process. It's not just about the 12 anymore. It's about the church. It's about building. It's about growing. It's about showing him. And they would shared all of these experience, Experiences. And for his brothers to be there was amazing because they hadn't really followed him before. But after he came back, they realized, hey, this is it. This is who he is, and so they were all there. Now, I'm, I was not there, but I'm going to give you a secret that I know pretty much for fact. Even though they all shared that experience, even though they all shared that love, even though they all shared that calling, that hope, They did not all agree on everything. Some of them probably wanted blue carpet and some of them wanted red carpet. And some of them wanted this and some of them wanted that. They were going to disagree, but they were united in prayer. They were united in the main goal, the important goal of serving Him, of showing Him, of building the church. And they began by setting that example They began by witnessing. They began by coming together and praying. And then Peter stands up to talk. Peter who had denied him. Peter who had almost drowned. Peter who had been called Satan. Peter who now was the rock of the church because he had been changed by Jesus. We can all be changed by him. We can all witness for him. I have one more quote. Be a good witness by the way you live. The way we live is often more convincing than the words we say. I want you all for a minute to close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Close your eyes. And I want you to picture the people in your life who have discipled your faith. Family members, Sunday school teachers, pastors, choir leaders, whoever it is, people in your life. Picture them. Now, if I went around and asked you, tell me everything they said to you. Some of you, maybe most of you, could remember a few things here and there, the the gist. But what you remember, what you feel right now, is the impact they had on you because of their love, because of their example of Jesus, because of the way they served Him, because of their witness. Now, this does not mean... You can open your eyes. This does not mean... I saw some of you wavering there. This does not mean that words don't matter. Because our testimonies do, our scriptures do, our faith does, yes. But what people remember, what has the biggest impact is the way we live our life daily. The way we choose to be for him. The witness we can show for him every day. That's what people remember. Remember the example we set with our love, with our impact, with our presence, with our hope, with our peace. That's how we plant the seeds. That's how we show the path. And yes, words matter and we practice what we preach. Because people will hear what we say. But then they match it up to what we do. Now, we're not perfect. So some of that is also matching up. Are they willing to apologize? Are they willing to admit that they need to be better? Because we all need to be better. And we all can be because he is with us. We are the church. We are his disciples. We are his witnesses. And so think again about all those people that went through your mind when I asked you to picture the disciples in your life. And think about how you can do that. How you can be pictured by someone else in the way that you live. In the way that you follow him, in the way that you grow, in the way that you learn, in the way that you witness. That's all I got.